Hello and welcome to the Unqualified Huddle. I am back with Shamil to talk about what happened in the week 10 actions. First of all, though, we have to issue an apology. Um, I'm sure Shamil will agree with me on this. On our last podcast, we basically called this later game boring. Um, but it was nothing, nothing short of excitement throughout everyone except the Jags fans. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm reeling with uh, how bad we were. But this was one of the best weeks since the start of the season. Every There were so many games that came down to one possession. So many competitive, competitive matches, for sure. And as a neutral, watching Red Zone was exciting this week. <laughs> um, or even yeah, any of the games you could have switched on. So I thought it was really competitive league uh, showing as well. The worst, uh, one of the worst games was actually in Germany. I thought Patriots, Colts, they are. Oh, it they was are, awful. They are not very good in that. Can game. we talk about that like last drive though? Like I, I still don't. Well, really when Bailey Zappi came in for a benched Mac Jones, that's exactly that. It made no, it made zero sense to me. It's the the last drive, the you know, yes, you've not been playing well, but why are you bringing a backup that's had no practice, no reps in the game? For like a single drive that you're going to try to win the game on, it made no sense. And Mac Mac was completing he completed 15 of 20 on the day for a pick. The problem is they just don't have receivers. No, they don't have the, weapons that you fear. Uh, Ramondre and Zeke were the reason Patriots even scored six points. Though the the Patriots receiving room is the most uninspiring receiving room in the NFL right now. Yeah, Hunter Henry doesn't look like. He's gonna like he's not a player who's gonna command respect. Gasicki isn't. Stevenson and Elliot were the were carrying this team. Stevenson um, looked good. He looked good in this game, but yeah, it's not, it was, it's it's not enough. Into, no, it's not. It's never gonna be enough if you haven't got any receivers. Juju isn't it? None of their receivers are it. Does, does you Bill, happily cover a man on man. Does Bill Belichick get fired? No, no, they does shouldn't get, fire him. Does he get Let fired at the end of the year? In his own time, no. What I would do is I'd take his GM duties away. Would he accept it? Probably not. The Jags had a similar issue with Tom Coughlin in 2002 because he want, like Coughlin owned the whole Jags. He was there from the expansion. They didn't know how to get rid of him. They like, take half of his duty. They thought he wouldn't react well, so they fired him. But I think the Patriots having won Super Bowls with Belichick, if Bill Belichick doesn't want to give up his GM duties, I don't think they can force him to either. What I, I think happens is contract apparently expires at the end of the next season. Maybe you just let that play out. I don't know. I don't know. The problem I have with it is that you're a franchise that are used to winning, right? Like, I know recent years they've not been used to winning. But just prior... five years they've not used to winning. And... Yeah, but that's a long time in the NFL, when, especially when you went for a period of about 15 years of being, the, you know, the creme de la creme. Like, you know, you, you've gone 15 years at the top to now like one at the bottom of the barrel you, you're losing your own division like you're going to come last in your own division it's 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 worrisome for me if you're a Patriots fan like you've got to think there's something not right here and I mean you look you look back historically right and you know we talk about Brady being excellent and all of that and you've got to you've got to consider like some of the seasons that he played his receivers weren't massively inspiring then like it's sort of like a Belichick sort of like way of football isn't it where there's a lot of like no-named players who play better than expected, and just has the talent of Tom Brady to sort of like elevate them up. Whereas yeah. Matt Jones is no Tom Brady. I mean, my uh, my thing with um, 
Patriots is you've got to separate. Are they coached well? I think Bill Belichick coaches them well. They're ready to play every week. Do they lack talent? Yes. Is that the reason they're losing? I think so. It's not because of coaching. You know, when you watch them play, you don't think they're poorly coached. No, they're a well-coached team. They're not poorly coached. I, I just feel like the Bill O'Brien um, is a bit uninspiring with his play calling. The offense doesn't look great. And like you say, the talent's not there. They're, like across the board, like they just don't, they don't have the, the top tier talent anymore. And the other thing I see with the Patriots, they don't move on with the times. Now, the other part, okay, they coach well, but all of their coaches are bought in-house. They're all mm. brought up in this Patriot way, so there's no outside creativity coming into the organization. And that's maybe another thing they need to look themselves, you know, the head coach falls on the head coach here, because he's hiring these coaches. Look outside your own circle. Look Matt outside Jones had some, uh, and look to, you know, change. Matt Jones had some choice words about the uh, coaching, though, during this I did not hear these words. He he just was blasting them basically. He wasn't very happy, but I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, there's a lot wrong. I mean, the Colts are now all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden. They they have been playing pretty decent. They're what five oh, it, and uh, five. The, like I appreciate that the the Patriots are a, a tough team, like on defense especially, but still ten points isn't isn't a great showing for an offense that oh, has yeah, been I averaging agree. like over thirty. And the AFC South, surprisingly, really, really good right now. <laughs> well, no yeah, let's one would have thought about, that. Well, let's talk about the, the best team in the AFC South right now. The Houston Texans. And they're, they're the informed team after the Jags losing. But CJ Stroud, like I was, I gave him my unqualified player of the week last week. He is uh, making the most. That O-line, you were talking about in the off-season, how good that O-line was. You were a fan of basically their investment in the O-line. And they've got every single position solved and the depth. But the last time a rookie led the NFL in passing yards, the game was 1939. Um, it was Davey O'Brien. CJ Stroud is currently leading the NFL uh, with 291.8 yards per game. The, the, thing, the thing is, though, I was watching, I watched a bit of the game. And for me, it's not just Stroud that's like, Stroud is like, it's great. He doesn't right? look like a rookie. Well, no, he doesn't. That's that's part of the thing with him. And he, he looks like he's a very competent quarterback right now. Like, he looks very comfortable in that system. And he makes plays which he has no right to make. Some of the throws he made where he was just, like, dancing around, avoiding tackles, and then just lobbing it upfield to one of his receivers to catch. On all dime. of that is really... Yeah. yeah, all of that's really great. And, like, it's a really positive to have. But it's like, for me, we talked about this in the offseason, and, and I know I did. And I said, I like the signings that they're making. I like what they've done here. Because you look at it, and... It's like there are some of their parts. They're not, you look at individually, would I say that Singletree's a, a great running back? No. Would I say that Dalton Schultz is a great tight end? No. But you you, you throw them in, like, you know, Tankdale, um, Robert Woods, is it Michi or Meacham or something? Who are the, like, the, the top three receivers? Yeah. yeah. Noah Brown, that's their receiving core. And it's like, well, Nico I'm not sure about this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really like sold on it. But then you put them all together and it just works. It's this wonderful <sighs> blend of like, Players just like having a call in the system of work, yeah. I think Bobby Slowick came in from the 49ers, right? With D'Amico Ryan's, they've brought that scheme in as well, but they're much more downfield, they put much more on their quarterback. But like Schultz, corner route is just unstoppable, same route a lot of times, out route. Jason, Jason Witten, like, was the tight end who spent, like, nearly, like, I don't know how many years in the NFL, but he only had one route that he can run, which was like a choice route, which was either a, a 10-yard, like, you know, post, 
or, or a ten-yard out. Like that's it. That's and he made his living on that. I, I do like watching them play. Unfortunately, as a Jags fan, they are going to be a threat <laughs> for years to come. But the whole division has got a lot of young quarterbacks, it, and he's it, playing the it, best out of all of them. It sort of depends, though, for me, like on how they continue this momentum. So yes, they right now at this very moment in time, they are probably the most informed team in that division. They are looking the best team in that division, I would argue. Like, there's no I, think, I think their quarterback's looking the best in the division. But it's like how you build on that. Because obviously, you've got to look beyond this season with them. You've got to look look beyond that. Like, you've got to, in you know, the next year, the year after, and start building on that success. It can't just, it can't just be a flash in the pan, one and done. That no, would be what you're saying. They're, they're, if you're going to put them in a shootout, they're going to come out well. It'd be the Buccaneers and the Bengals here. But they lost to the Panthers before that. So it's like... They're going to have rookie moments, but mm. they're the way they're ahead still, of where we thought. They're still learning. Yeah, no one they're in, them They, they could easily make the playoffs this year. They might, they might win the division. They might win the division. They're only a game back, and they play Jacksonville very soon, I believe. Maybe next week. They're in, they're in a chance of winning the division. And, I, I, you know, if they do, two weeks I, time, yeah. I would say, you know, fair play to them because they deserve it at this moment uh, in time. They've got a good schedule. The bottom play schedule, they play the Cardinals next. Then it's a key game against the Jags, but then they play Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns. Yeah, it's it's that Browns game's the only worrying one on the schedule for me. The rest of yeah. them, I'm, I'm sort of happy with. But they're, on the flip side, like obviously we're talking about how nice we like the uh, the Texans, but let's just talk about the Bengals for a second because I picked them to lose. I don't remember if you and Channel picked them to lose, but I I picked the Texans in that game. And the reason why was because I just wasn't sold on the consistency of it all. But obviously they were riding a high. They just beat the Bills. Um, but they came into this game and it was slow and sluggish. And, you know, they did start heating up, but they just stood too little too late for me. Like, they were already behind. I know it came down to a, a field goal to finish the game. But, like, they're a team that you think would be in, in a commanding position. We talked about them being in form. We talked about them being playoff-like form. But then the first half of this game, they they this didn't look good for me. And what was uninspiring as well, at the end of the first half, they just nailed it out. They were losing by three points. A little bit of time left on the clock. Do you know if that was the Chiefs or if that was another team where they're losing by three points and they've got like 10 seconds left on the clock, six seconds? You best believe they're trying to get in field goal range. Ty, yeah, I mean, Tyler Boyd had a dropped uh, touchdown right at the end where could have won them the game. But Joe Burrow had a poor game. Um, yeah. He didn't look good uh, for times or spurts in that game. Or he looked like the worst quarterback on the field, that's for sure. Um, and they were missing T. Higgins, but you can't excuse one injury being the reason they were poor. I just, I think this looked like the Bengals team of earlier in the year where there's moments and you think it, you know, they're just missing something. It just wasn't they, the right day for them. Do you know what they did wrong? Um, and I honestly believe this, which is my sound a bit bit weird, but they focus too much on passing the ball to different receivers and getting different people involved instead of just going, Chase is our number one guy. He He's like potentially one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Let's just feature him. Let's just get him. Like other teams where they don't have a lot outside of their top guy, like, you know, the Chargers for an example of that for me, the Charles just focusing on Keenan Allen, like let let's get the give the ball to Keenan Allen as much as we can. I didn't feel like the Bengals do that with Chase. They used to do that with Chase, but they just don't do it anymore, and I don't understand why. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, Tyler Boyd had eight catches. Jamar Chase had five. 
they're tight ends, um, I believe, uh, of the Bengals. I'm just counting it up. They uh, combined for, what, uh, 11 catches? And the Trenton Owen, Tanner Hudson, Drew Sample, Irv Smith Jr. Your tight ends don't need that much. No, when, no, when you've got a player like Chase, like this is this is what I mean. Like when you've got legitimately one of the better wide receivers in the NFL, a guy that you could argue like there's arguments to be made. This guy's a top five wide receiver right now. Like you could you could put that argument out there and people would consider it. And it's like give him the ball, let him be him. Especially yeah, I, I, when you've got such a good connection with Joe Burrow. They're not a team that does a lot of yak stuff, like get, getting it to Joe Mixon off the flat route or any of the running backs. Is just they should be using their running back passing more than they are. Mixon's never been a great pass catcher, though. And that's why they needed to keep Samani P. Ryan. Yeah, but Trevion Williams, one catch, Mixon, two catches. You do need more. I think that they try and take too many shots sometimes, uh, home run balls, and the, instead of just playing it simple. But. Yeah, I mean, they were just outplayed in every facet. I still think Cam Taylor-Britt looks one of the best corners in the NFL this yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on defense, they were, they were okay. They were just, you know, this Houston Texans offense is is a really good offense. Yeah, just so one like... sack in the game, though, for the Bengals. And that was a combined sack off a blitz, I believe. So, But that, that just goes to show you that not only is the offensive line and like the offensive play calling is pretty good for the Texans to keep Stroud healthy. A lot of the time Stroud was able to escape pressure and like escape the the rush, make some throw on throws in the run. Like he's he's just good, man. Like I I really don't understand. I will never understand when it came down to Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, how it's been Stroud was underneath Bryce Young for you. Like if you're the Panthers, I don't understand why well, the, the rumor is the owner, right? The owner wanted Bryce Young. I know, I know that's the rumor, but still, like, even as an owner, it, it just, I know, you know, we, we talked, we talked about this last week, and I, you know, I said you can't really be that down on Bryce Young because of the situation he's in, but still, Stroud just looks so comfortable, like he just looks. You just like he you see the it factor, right, on the field. He, he just like looks Herbert, like he belongs. When it, when it was like Herbert on the field, you just saw it. Like it didn't take long, you know, he was it. Um. It's turning out to be a good class that way. And your boy, um, Chona Rankings? Three sacks? <laughs> Three sacks, yeah. Jonathan Grenard, one sack for the Texans as well. But... R- Rankings has had a day, like, you know. But, it, you know, the, the Bengals' O-line has always been a bit suspect. So if there's a team that you're going to get three sacks from defensive tackle on, it's that one. Yeah. It's that one. Uh, and Bengals up. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs right now. The Browns won in that I division. don't think so. Steelers won in that division. The bottom well, that, of that division. The the Browns beat the top of that division. Like you know, yeah. the Browns with another defensive masterclass performance. Well, I end. think it was the the adjustments and stuff, right? Because when well, it was thirty one seventeen, and then they got a pick, and then it snowballed into another you know defensive play. I I just thought the, the, their defense one I mean. had key moments. They they were. Because every time I looked, they were like 20 points behind, they were 20 points behind sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, they're like in a one-score game looking at taking the win. And it's like, like you say, it's that defense's performance. They they came like alive at key parts for them because their offense wasn't doing much. Like again, but I mean, the, you can't put that all on the Cleveland Browns offense. Obviously, Deshaun Watson didn't look good in the game. Um, he... he 
you know, he, he looks very average. But, like, the Ravens' defense are good. We've talked about this before. That They are one of the better units in the league. So you can't just say, you know, it's, it's a bad daily office, but it was a bad daily office. But their defense helped them. But then they've been doing this all season. Their defense sort of, like, steps up when needed to. Jim Swartz, as we said about, should be considered for a head coaching job again, potentially off the off the back of this campaign with the Browns. Yeah, and um, Jerome Ford, 6.3 a clip on the day. Um, I don't think anyone wants to be the MVP of the NFL this year, especially quarterback. <laughs> because Lamar Jackson had a stinker of a game. Uh, he was, what, 13 of 23, one touchdown, two picks. I, I know who wants to be the MVP. The guy who's a rookie playing for the Houston Texans. CJ Stroud, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a chance. But I don't know. Keaton Mitchell, like he was running well. Lamar Jackson obviously ran well. Gus Edwards had a bad day as well, only averaging two and a half yards. Uh, sorry, he, 2.2 yards. He, he literally is their goal line back, though. Like, Gus Edwards mm. is not anyone that you use between the 20s. I mean, and they were trying to, but it just wasn't working. They only got Odell the ball once in the game, and that was a 40-yard touchdown. So, I don't know. This is a team where I don't trust them if they make... Well, they will be in the playoffs. I just don't trust them. I, I think they're too one-dimensional. Like, yeah. And I say this because... We're like, well, we, talked, yeah. we talked about this before. Though. Like, It's really hard because last week we were praising them. Like Last week we were giving them all their flowers because they were they were like taking charge and uh, winning games in a big way. They, like, they battered the Detroit Lions. Are they being like the Buffalo Bills? If Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson have a bad day, they're going to be on the wrong side. I don't, think it's just, I don't think it's just Jackson in this. Jackson had a bad day, but then like, I don't think the, the rest of the players that he has around him like, lifted him up at all. And I feel like this is a problem. And like, yeah, this happens with the Bills as well. But the Bills are very much play through Josh Allen. Like he throws the ball every play sort of thing. Whereas the Ravens aren't like that at all. They can run the ball. They've got running backs. They've got a plethora of running backs. But they've got also like multiple tight ends. Like they've got Mark Andrews. They've got other wide receivers. Save Flowers has played quite well this season. You know, Odell Beckham was brought in to try and elevate that pass game. And it just feels like they don't use them. Even though, like, I know... You look at the scoreline, the offense didn't really seem the problem in this game, but then also they gave up the points. Like they gave up the pick six, they gave up bad field positions by the by the interceptions and stuff. So yeah, it's it's just a tough one. But I feel they'll bounce back. I don't I think this is just a divisional matchup where it's you know, playing a, a very inform in game Cleveland Browns team. Jim Schwartz of the Saints, maybe? I I wouldn't that, hate it. I wouldn't hate it. He does fit their style of like if they want to stick with defense. I, d- I don't hate it. Coach, but... So long as so long as he brings someone with some offensive creativity, I don't hate it. Um, let's talk about your boy though, who came back from injury. I call him your boy. It's not really your boy, but he came back from injury. Small Shannon's boy. Uh, about a year since he got injured, Kyler Murray for Clutch. the Cardinals. Clutch. I mean, he looked good. I mean, from the eye test, I'm not going to go into stats, but. From the uh, from the eye test, he was the star. He was down DJ Humphreys in the game. Uh, James Connor also came back. Um, he didn't obviously have his best game, Dre, uh, Jay Connor, but uh, James Connor. Trey McBride though was getting a lot of targets from Kyler Murray. Again, they're a team without Zach Ertz, um, but Kyler just running really fast and you know scrambling, getting them the in the field goal range on a key down. 
I just thought he commanded the offense. So I feel like, I feel like this is making where, plays everywhere. Yeah, but I feel like this is where he struggled in Cliff Kingsbury's system. Whereas this seems he has a bit more freedom to do that scrambling, to do the, you know, move around in the pocket a bit more. Whereas in Kingsbury's system, there's very much timing routes. Everything's got to be on on point. You've got to hit people in stride. It was it was very rigid. Where I feel like yeah. he's a guy who needs some creativity, especially when he's got the ability to scramble like he does. He's a quick player. So he's also commanding. Like he was going to line the scrimmage, looking at the defense. Then he adjusted the O line. He was calling the receivers. He was calling the plays on the field, Kyler Murray. And and that's what I mean though. He he gets a bit more freedom in this system that he's currently in. Which, he looks mature, doesn't he? Which helps him. Yeah. Well. And, you know, realistically, like what our co-host Chanel keeps saying to us off the podcast, he doesn't want the Cardinals to keep winning because he wants to get, uh, is it Marvin Harrison Jr.? Well, yeah, or, or Caleb Williams. I, I don't know which well, one no, he really he, wants right he now. He doesn't want Williams. He wants, he wants Marvin Harrison Jr. Because I mean, he, wants, th- he wants an elite wide receiver. They do need an elite wide receiver. I think Marquise Brown wasn't targeted really much at all. They didn't use him enough. That should hopefully change. Uh, I thought it was a very close game in the end. It was running game of the Falcons who lost Heineke with an injury. And Desmond Ritter came in. He scored a rushing touchdown. Didn't play too bad. Um, but I thought Kyler Murray is the reason why the Cards won this game in the end. Yeah. The the Falcons are just uninspiring. Uh, I, like, I talk about it time and time again. Their, their real issue is that they don't have a competent quarterback. And I know they were trying to get Deshaun Watson there in the market for Deshaun Watson at the time. But, like, they've not really done anything, in my opinion, to address that need. Because Ridder, Ridder is not the answer, obviously, if you're going to bench him. And neither Heineke. Heineke. Whoever said Heineke is the answer, he's not Heineke's the answer. Heineke's not the answer. And you look at the roster, they really do have a roster that's built to win. Like, yeah. across the board, I feel like on offense, they've got enough talent there. with their Especially in that division. Yeah, especially that division. But, like, you look at their wide receivers and stuff, and a better quarterback would get them way more points. Drake London, like, is a good wide receiver. He just doesn't get the option to feature himself because yeah, he, he doesn't have a quarterback well, throwing the ball. Even B. John Robinson doesn't get featured like you would think from, you know, the high hip and the draft pick. Uh, but every time he's on the field, he makes plays. Uh, that's no offense to Tyler Algier or Cordero Patterson. They are good players. But you don't need that many receivers, and you go with your best one, in my opinion. That's Bijan. Um, I thought Red Ridder again, four of six when he played, uh, came on, played well, uh, wasn't the reason they lost. Cardinals, BJ or Jolari had two sacks, but Matt Prater could easily win player of the week with that performance. 13 <laughs> points off his boot, including a 56 yarder. He was good, it's been good all season long as it's, a kicker. Yeah, it's good, it's good as a kicker. It just, um, it if you were a Cardinals fan. This sort of gives you a little bit, a glimmer of hope, is all I would say. Because I know it's been a rough time for you as Cardinal fans. Like, I know, obviously, Chanel is our resident Cardinal fan. I know it's been a tough time. But this is sort of, like, giving you um, some hope. I know there's a lot of back office stuff that's shady, though. Like, obviously, the Dobbs situation, that's not a good look for the team. Um, No, uh, Josh Dobbs addressed that, didn't he? Basically, he was lied to by his head coach. Yep. But like <laughs> by Jonathan Gallen, yeah. So that's not a good look. There's the there's the other stuff going on with the owner right now, and uh, so that's not a good look. But on the field, 
he's got he's got some things to hope for. But let's um, let's talk about Josh Dobbs. And let's just like you know, it hurt my heart watching that game as a Saints fan and watching Josh Dobbs just walk around the Saints defenders. I said this. I've said this for time though. The Saints defense is too slow. Like we are so slow as a defense. The We've line, said it a line... few times because they're built big, but that they've compensated that with the lack of speed. Well, the the problem is our line. Like I'm all right having a big defensive line, and like our defensive ends are big guys. The two two eighty pounds, like two hundred and eighty. Where with normally your edge, yeah. no, normally your edge rushes are only like two hundred and sixty, yeah, two fifty, like. They're not massive. Our guy, like Cam Jordan, who's lost some pace, like he's lost some of his burst. He's like two ninety, and the other side, like starting is Granderson, who's like two seventy, two eighty. So it's like we've got big guys across the defensive line. So then you'd hope you'd make that up by having quicker linebackers. But Demario mm. Demario Davis, Davis is the linebacker. He's he's, lo- he's lost a bit of speed. Is his problem? But he's never been a quick guy. He's just been a powerful guy who's like short at the middle, and then our. You know, our other linebacker, Pete Warner, he's he's good and he makes tackles, gets to the places, but he's not quick. He's yeah, average. He doesn't play make. Yeah, he doesn't make. I mean, that, this is the issue with the Saints defense. If they're if you're a certain quarterback who can't move, who can't yeah, scramble, we, if if great. you're a quarterback that stays in the pocket, then it's great. Like we we will have a like they will feel day because if the, it was Kirk Cousins in this game, it could have even looked different. Uh, but but I think we're lucky as uh, NFL fans that we get to see Josh Dobbs not be an astronaut right now and be a quarterback. I, I think I think we're very lucky to see him flourish. He's been put in a position where he can flourish. Because... I mean, has he been? He's just been put ev- ev- everywhere in the league and is now <laughs> flourishing. So it tells me the quarterback is good, and there's a shortage of them. I think he's undervalued. Well, especially with the injuries that the Vikings went into that game with, like. Obviously, Justin Jefferson on, on, is on IR. He's luck, he might come back next week, but he's on IR. The Osborne, who's their number two receiver, was out with concussion. So then they're down with Addison, who's the rookie. Um, Powell, who's like their do-it-all sort of like returner, like receiver guy, who's like normally their fourth string target sort of thing. Um, and they did have Hawkinson, but he came in injured. Like he, he he's an injury the game. And he got hurt during the game. The yeah, first so half, he went out for a while, then came back in. And, the yeah. first half, though, Dobbs and Hawkinson were just slicing and dicing the the Saints' defense, and you know he looked legit. It's it's horrible when your partner is playing um, Hawkinson in fantasy football and sits next to you cheering him as he's slicing and dicing your team up. Though that's all I'm going to say. That was a and there that were was deep a shots horrible as well. Experience. Some of them, including the touchdown. Uh, he, he got. He got about four catches in a row of about 20 yards. Not only that, they were also without Cam Akers, who was landed on IR, who was starting to look good there since he arrived. And Dalton Reisner came off the streets. He's played well at left guard. Um, well, Matt's, that... Mattson got a concussion in the game as well. So they were down both their starting running backs. Yeah, like they were starting. Ty took Chandler a direct accepted. snap and scored the touchdown. But Dobbs, another good performance. Um, Great performance. They're, they're in that playoff. Like, it looks like the Vikings have turned their season around. They're really in that wild, they're in for, they're in for that wild card sort of like search, aren't they? They're, they're, yeah, I mean, the challenge for wild card. They're still pressuring the Lions, who looked good um, against the Chargers. Again, it became an offensive uh, a slugfest. Yeah, yeah. Again, another question of why is your head coach Brandon Staley if he can't manage the <laughs> defense? But 
We've, we've, we've what, had that say quite a few times. What I've got to say about this Vikings, though, like the first three games, the big issue that we all had, I think everyone was having with them, is defence. Like their defence looked looked horrible. It didn't really make sense. didn't work. But, but we did Flores, trust Brian Flores. We did, oh. we, when we, me and you talked about him, we were like, it's just probably a matter of time, similar with the Vic Fangio defence. Well, we, we, that's what we sort of said in the off-season. We're like, this gives them a boost. And at the start, I, I was sort of like on the fence again, being like, oh, well, he's, he's obviously not doing doing a good job here. But then now you look at it, and they are, they are a dangerous defence to play against. They're scary. They can take the ball away. And they've got hitters on every level. Like, Daniil Hunter is the sack leader right now. I think he's on 11 sacks for the season, which is which is nice. Their linebackers, Jordan Hicks, is uh, is playing lights out for them. And and then in the back end, like, their cornerbacks are playing well. But, you know, they've got an actual human missile who just throws himself into tackle still in Harrison Smith. Like, yeah. it's scary. It's scary defense to play. And they're a unique defense. No one plays stylistically or schematically similar to the Brian Flores defense. No. But them, like the Fangio defense, we said would improve over the season. And it's, it's proven out to be a, a big reason um, why they, they brought him in. And it, and it helps. Just just lastly, before we go on to all of our players, I just want to touch on that that Chargers-Detroit Lions game that, we, that you just mentioned about. Just because, like, for me, the Lions are the epitome of they they're so creative on offense and they don't have like I would say their skill positions are a little bit meh outside of like Amar on St. Brown's like really good um but he's not I wouldn't put him as like a top five wide receiver like a top 10 he's probably in that top 10 argument but he's not a top five guy but in the slot he's probably a top two slot corner I would say sorry in the NFL and their running backs as well. Like Gibbs looks really good in this game. Montgomery looked really good, but I neither of them you put in as a top five running back sort of thing. Like argument for top ten, but even then, their offensive line is what's the difference on that offense. But like yeah. the their offense just works. The creativity of um, the OC Ben Johnson to to get different players the ball, the way he gets players the ball, the just there's just the little things he does. Like some of the. And I think it's a complementary flow of the play calling. It it just that's what makes it work. But we also know Goff is a good quarterback when you give him the best line in football. And I think <laughs> the Detroit Lions are the best O line in football. They they really are. They they they're so good, especially in the run game. They just absolutely body players out of the way as a unit because they they don't again. They're the best line in football. They don't have the best defensive line men. Because I would, I could point to at each position probably a better offensive lineman at different teams in the NFL, but overall, they are the best offensive line right now, and they're yeah. they're showing that. I mean, their defense didn't have a great game against the Chargers. They they couldn't slow him down. Um, well, they couldn't slow Keenan Allen down until he got hurt. Was, yeah, Keenan Allen was the difference maker. Well, they, they started off well. It's just sort of like in the second half, they sort of like things has got away from them. It seems. The defense just got out of sorts, but it's it kind of like we've talked about this before. You've talked about it before. the The issue is the the pass rush for me um, isn't there for for the Lions, and I talked about pressure rates because they seem to get a lot of pressure. Like they seem to be able to um, get pressure in the pocket and like make the quarterback uncomfortable that they're playing against. But they're never they're not really finishing it up with sacks. So the the, the quarterback's still getting out of pocket. 
It's a weird game. No team had a sack in the game. Yeah. Crazy. All line shows it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, in this game, for a good example, Herbert's a guy that can get out of the pocket and make throws and stuff. But And they were pressuring him to do that. Like, they were forcing him out of the pocket and he's making throws on the run. But it's kind of like you need to finish, like, dry, like you need to finish defensive drives in, in the sense that you need to get the sacks because you need to force the ball backwards. It's not just all about you know, putting pressure on the quarterback because guys like Herbert can throw on the run. Like, oh, yeah. And he'll throw deep as well. And he'll throw deep. They, and... They, they're a team that challenge you vertically. But Detroit, 7-2, and two, one of the top teams in the entire NFL. Yeah, second, the, I think the number two in the NFC right now behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they are, I think they're are they second overall on, on the record now. I believe so. Maybe Kansas City has something to say. I can't recall right now. I, I don't, I don't they remember. only care about the AFC. They've beat the Chiefs once. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the point. And like they are right hot on the heels of the Philadelphia Eagles for that number one seed right now. Yep. Which is, you look at the Lions, what a turnaround it is in, like, two seasons. Because... I mean, we've we said it before, their GM and head coach work well together. The culture fits the head coach. Top to bottom, that team is on one page. How they've yep. built that team, how they call that team, how it just works. It's They've got the pieces now in place. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're going to lose Ben Johnson to a head coach. I've been calling him for ages. Probably. Probably, Probably but then it's it, guaranteed. If if he wanted last year, he didn't want it. He didn't know. Well, it depends so, what teams are out there that are looking. I think it's going to be a lot of teams. I think a lot of good teams. Hope, hopefully, he'll come to the Saints. You know, including the Chargers. There. Well, I think you'll rather take the Chargers job. Yeah, well, I would too. I would rather take a job with Justin Herbert than Derek Carr. So, and also, Chargers aren't in so much cap hell as what the Saints are. But anyway, the the Chargers though, on the flip, they are. Really disappointing overall for me, considering how people felt about them at the start of the year. I know that there's been certain injuries and stuff which has hampered them, but still, overall, they just don't look as good as they did. And I know this is sort of the time of year that they start getting into, um, like, sort of chasing that playoffs, trying to get that seventh seed sort of thing, which is what they normally do. But I just don't, I don't feel it this year at all. I feel like there's just too many other teams in the AFC, especially, that are better than them and more consistent is like the main thing yeah i think they're going to miss the playoffs um and it's gonna look if you look how far justin herbert is now in his career without a playoff win it's kind of like it probably looks at it thinks it's an embarrassment but we've got to remember the reason isn't generally been him he's always sure not been clutch but that 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 team does not play complementary football what you and, just and talked it's... about how complementary the lions are the OCs that like for me, the OCs are always a bit of an issue. I know we talk about Kellen Staley, Moore. but yeah, but there's a reason. You're the why... one who liked the Kellen Moore hire the most. I, I did. don't think Kellen Moore's been that bad. But to me, I just thought that was a scape their old OC was a scapegoat for that team. Joe Lombardi, yeah, but Lombardi wasn't very good. But my thing with Kellen Moore is when he came over, I did have high hopes for him. But then seeing how their offense plays, it's sort of gone because he he didn't feature Eckler to start off the season. Like your best player, he's starting to feature him more now. Like Necklace starts to get more involved, which is what you wanted to do, and and involved in the right way, giving him like little screen passes to deal with, like little dump offs. That's but that's why they hired Keller Moore to be a very pass happy team, and that's what what Brandon Staley's vision is. That's why the Cowboys didn't want Keller Moore. 
but but they weren't even doing they weren't even passing Eckler the ball and Eckler is your second best offensive skill position player right now. I agree. So I, it just I didn't totally make agree. Sense. Yeah. But let's let's move on. Qualify players of the week. Uh, I'll go with mine. You've already said mine though, so thank you. But I'm gonna go with Sheldon Rankins. I didn't say who it was. It might not be it might not be everyone's pick, but for me, you get three sacks playing defensive tackle. You deserve a bit of a notoriety, and yeah, he's a little soft spot in my heart for a former Saint player. So um, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, you know, pressure pressure in Joe Burrow, three sacks on the day. Texans win. I mean, I could have gone so many ways as well. I uh, could have gone with uh, Dak Prescott, who had a phenomenal game. Um, I thought quite. I think the 49ers could have picked a lot of those players. Um, but I've gone with the line as well. I've gone Penny Sewell. I kind of hinted about the line being dominant, not allowing that. <laughs> Penny Sewell, Detroit Lions, uh, in the run game, absolutely destroying people. Pass game, protected obviously very well. Uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit. Could be the best tackle in the game right now. Yeah, and then um, Chanel has gave us his pick, which I'm not going to announce because I'm fuming at him. So, we'll leave... <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got to give him the astronaut's credit. It's Josh Dobbs. <laughs> it's outright like this two times in a two times in two weeks that Shannon has gave Josh Dobbs his qualified player of the week. So I mean I, uh, I was tempted to give CJ Stroud it again, but yeah, um, true. I just wanted someone different. So uh on that note, thanks all for listening. We'll be back later on in the week to give you our week eleven predictions and talk about the games. Uh until that time though, see ya.